This is the Westside King's Church podcast, where we aim to encounter and embody the surprising grace of Jesus. Hi, Brian. It's nice to be back here with you. Thanks for joining me again for our second uh, podcast in this six-part series on grief that we're doing. Um, I guess we're going to just jump kind of right into it. We did our intros uh, kind of last time. Uh, my name is Kristen and I work for Westside King's Church. I'm on staff as a pastor. I work in pastoral care and, you know, Brian, you have quite the, the, the history um, in grief care, grief counseling. And uh, so you're joining us for these sessions and have uh, joined, um, you and I have uh, led some conversations on grief previously, which then led us to doing this podcast. So hopefully this is helpful information for, for people um, who are experiencing grief or are walking beside someone who's experiencing grief. Um, so why don't we just start with a bit of a quick recap on what we talked about last time, Brian? Yeah, I think we, we tried to lay a foundation for that when we're with people who are grieving that um, it's kind of a two-step process of that when we come alongside, we provide a safe environment. Uh, we understand maybe what's unfolding in the background with whatever loss that person may have experienced, whether it be a physical loss, family loss, a, a loss through a COVID experience. Um, but once we come alongside, then how do we fall in behind? And so um, for week one, uh, I mentioned that there's probably three different um, uh, demographics of people who might be interested in this information. One was for any of you who are joining and that have experienced a loss of a loved one, mm -hmm. um, whether it's recently or in the past, just being able to join the dots in your grief. Uh, there's some of you that maybe have joined uh, just because you're trying to support somebody that's experienced a loss. And again, it may be a physical loss, it may be a family loss, it may be somebody who's just dealing with something where there's, again, the losses are a response to the loss of anything we value. So maybe you're listening to these podcasts just to be able to get a little bit of information, to be able to help, be able to come alongside. And then there may be some of you in the environment here that are, um, or sorry, maybe some of you here that may be volunteering in a capacity where there's people that have experienced losses and maybe they don't have a lot of people to talk to and you just want to know how to be able to support them. So those are the three, I guess, demographics that maybe uh, if you were listening to the podcast and hopefully the information in the first week was helpful. We talked a little bit about, you know, our culture of grief and how difficult it can be. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the many losses that are connected with COVID. Um, again, just being able to hear in the conversations, uh, in those what I called COVID conversations, themes may come up that have got to do with the loss uh, in somebody's life of something that they valued. And there was a whole number of losses that we talked about. But again, the, the goal is hopefully being able to come alongside and be able to support those who are in grief and uh, by just having a little bit more awareness. So the first two weeks, last week and this week, this session, um, is about just uh, laying out the framework for grief by which to ground ourselves, and by which by hopefully gives us a little bit of read on where those individuals are that may be sharing or coming to us for a little bit of support. Yeah. Yeah. And part of that understanding and sort of leaning into a little bit of a deeper understanding of grief um, is this thing that you refer to as the five threads of grief. Um, do you want to just walk us through those five threads of grief and, and what those are and what, what those mean in our lives? 
Yeah, maybe a good way to look at this is last week was on the context of grief, maybe externally, all the things that impact us as we're trying to navigate through grief, um, all the different ways um, that we're experiencing grief. And, um, you know, when we're listening to somebody's uh, grief narrative or we're walking with somebody, we've come alongside, we're trying to get a sense of where they're at. And we talked a little bit about two different styles of grief. You may be a feeling griever or a thinking griever. And we sometimes vacillate between those depending on the loss. But there's what I call the five threads of grief that uh, when I'm talking to somebody and, uh, um, and hearing about the, the, the narrative behind the loss, uh, the five threads are, I think, woven into all of us. And I think uh, I try to be mindful of them in my own life. But certainly for people in grief, then those five threads are what grief does to us physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. And I think I'm just going to stop at each one of those just to be able to give a little bit of credence to why those are so important. So physically, when we're grieving, um, I talked about it being tiring. Well, just a huge drain of energy. Um, grief can be so tiring. Um, it's not uncommon if, it, if it's been a profound traumatic loss where uh, there's been uh, situations and circumstances that have made the uh, narrative particularly difficult. It's almost like some days you just can't even feel like you're getting out of bed. And you do get up in the end of the day, you're tired, tired, tired. So physically, that thread, that lack of energy is probably the most predominant. With that tiredness, it's not uncommon that you would have sleep issues. Mostly, it's hard to sleep. Your metabolism's all out of whack. Um, appetite disturbances, for some, it's you can't eat anything. Um, that would probably be the most predominant, or probably you, you eat the wrong things, uh, you, you eat whatever convenient. Um, but disturbance is in your system, and I guess that would be gastrointestinal, that you're just, your system is off. And resulting from that, there could be stomach aches and nauseousness, and it's not uncommon. And, and I, it's not age-specific, but you can have chest issues and feel like you're having a heart attack. And and uh, that did happen over the years as I was a counselor, that the stress and the strain and the impact physically was so much that they needed to get to hospital because there was a, a chest pain to get that checked out in case you're having a heart attack. It's just so much pressure, but I think it speaks to just how difficult it can be. So the first threat is that physical threat and to be aware of that. Uh, the second threat is a mental threat. And for anybody who's been there, uh, difficulty concentrating would probably be number one. Yeah. Um, you just feel like you've got early onset Alzheimer's. I mean, you just can't remember anything. And with that goes memory loss and it can feel a lot more profound. Uh, I like to think that it does come back, but when you're in the midst of it, you really, really start to question your ability to, to comprehend and hold any kind of memory mental fatigue. I uh, just don't want to be asked to do too much. <laughs> it's nice if you've got a list of things to do because to try to remain or retain any of the things to do sometimes just disappears. Uh, with that mental capacity, <clears throat> there can be uh, disbelief, a reduced uh, interest and motivation. Like again, you just don't want to be interested in anything and, um, and you've feel like you're just overwhelmed. So mentally, it's being able to acknowledge that all these things are normal. 
Right. Everything I mentioned physically is normal. Everything uh, mentally is normal. The third thread is the emotional thread. Wow, there can be a lot of uh, emotions, anger and resentment. It's palpable. Uh, you hear it in the tone of voice. It's just there. And again, depending on the situations and circumstances, uh, anger is an emotion that's given to us because it tells us something's not right. And so again, it's hard to find somebody that uh, can uh, hear your anger, but it's just something with that anger that's just saying, well, there's just something not right here. And so you've got to say something or do something and sadness, overwhelming sadness. And that can lead itself into depression, um, guilt, that sense of I, I could have done more. Um, there's something, I guess you could put shame in there. The guilt is that sense I've done something wrong or shame is that sense there's something wrong with me. Um, panic attacks um, can be overwhelming and I think because we're just so unsettled, we're not functioning well physically, uh, mentally, things come along and we're just overwhelmed. So that panicky feeling and um, people may be caught off guard by that. But again, it's a normal response is to be able to acknowledge it. And hopefully those diminish over time. That's why it is always good to be able to find somebody to talk to, because I think the more you can share the story and, and have somebody to hear, the more that panic and anxiety and sadness starts to find an ear to be able to be able to, to somebody a person can talk to. Uh, the fourth thread is that social, um, that social thread. Um, you don't really want to be around people sometimes. And with what I just mentioned with the first three, uh, sometimes it's hard to be around. So uh, people tend to isolate and stay home, uh, not reach out because it just takes too much energy. Um, may feel disconnected um, because they're not feeling like there's somebody there and you just feel just alone and disconnected. And so there can be a change in relationships and roles. Uh, people at work um, may not be there. There may be people in your life who you thought would be there for you. But again, everybody's got their own history and all of a sudden you find that they're becoming distant. And so there's just a disconnect. But on the other hand, it's surprising how many times somebody comes into your life mm -hmm. through a situation or circumstances and they come alongside and it's like you've got somebody there that's listening. Mm -hmm. And yet it becomes so very important, again, socially because there is so much going on that I think the, um, the natural way to manage it is to kind of pull back and conserve energy. So we just need to be mindful of the danger signs and maybe we talk about those at some point yeah. um, because we don't want to become too disconnected. And then there's a spiritual element. You know, we can be grounded in our faith, um, but as we know, faith isn't all cerebral. It's not all theological. That grief moves into the very, very core of our being. That soul, that spiritual element, the very depths of our being. And when things happen that are not right, when there's a traumatic event that happens, it turns our world upside down, we're naturally going to question, you know, why? Uh, there was just a, a lot of news this week in regards to the multiplicity of tornadoes that went through, mm -hmm. I think, six states. And um, interesting, as they talked to people, it was quite evident that they carried a faith. And it was one comment of, well, God, where are you? I know I don't understand God, yeah. but why did this happen? And so I think there is this natural tendency to question and again we don't have the answers but sometimes we need to have that questioning acknowledged 
um, with that, there can be uh, that sense of meaning and that purpose. Uh, something's being taken away, and it's uh, being huge value. And to the to the to the degree where you start to wonder, uh, what is the meaning of life, and what what is this all about? I mean, it can shake your world apart. It's like uh, a web, and all of a sudden, the web is just dissolved. It's kind of like uh, what's the word I'm searching for? Um, fragmented. Mm. When our world becomes fragmented, how how do we manage that? And again, there is a faith piece. We talk about this in the coming weeks about, I think, you know, our relationship and, uh, and Jesus is there to be able to help us pull it together, to be able to help us become whole again. But um, boy, spiritually, we can get very fragmented yeah. and we can have some really strong emotions. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what you're saying there, Brian. It's just so important. And as somebody like myself who who works in pastoral care, I think this would be one of the main things that I would want to spend, um, and we will spend some more time talking about, because it's the, it, to me, the main, one of the main things that comes up is, um, you know, we go back to that idea of common language. We go back to validating your, somebody's experiences. And then we go to permission permission to be able to question, permission to be able to speak these things, to be able to say, God, why? God, where were you? To challenge, to question. Um, and I think so often in a faith context, we get in um, into this belief system that, you know, you just, you lack faith or it's so wrong to be able to question. We don't ask questions. And to me, that keeps people so silenced in their grief and it makes it just so much worse because then they're alone, right? There's yes. no way to let it out and to express these things, which I think are just so incredibly important. Um, and we will talk more about that. Yeah, and in the midst of all the spiritual complexities with the questions and meaning and purpose, grace abounds. Yeah. And uh, this is what we're going to bring into the conversation uh, starting in the next session yeah. around the role of grace and how grace helps put us back together again yeah. and uh, how to be aware of that and be opening to the movement of God's grace in our lives through the Holy Spirit ministering to us. And we have to remember that Jesus was the uh, wonderful counselor. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus knows grief. And, um, and so in the midst of these threads, these five threads of grief, um, God is there. Easy for me to say that, but when you're in the midst of it, again, it's all about finding somebody just to validate that these are all normal responses and to be able to come alongside and just acknowledge, and you don't have to have it all together. And there was times where, you know, over the years, I've talked to individuals who carry the faith and they really needed to have somebody give them a bit of permission to take a break from church yeah. uh, just because it was so hard to go. There was so many vibes and people didn't know what to say. And it was so awkward. Yeah. Um, I would always kind of agree to that, but saying you need to check in once in a while <laughs> just to let them know that you're still part of the body. But um, very, very difficult when you've got these threads and they're all out of whack, you feel very tattered and, and it's hard to be um, in church, but God is working all the time. The Holy Spirit's coming alongside. So we will talk a little bit about that next week. Yeah. 
So when we talk about grief and, and sort of the weight of grief, you have this really great saying um, that you've mentioned, I've heard you mention quite a few times, and I'd love for you to kind of bring us into that right now, um, this idea of grief coming in one size. Yeah, so there's a little story behind the saying. I, there was a time when I did facilitate grief groups, and um, there would be, I think it was the last week that people could bring in something to share with the group and to take home as a memento or just a shared wisdom, something that is comforting. And uh, and so I don't know who it was. I don't know where this saying came from, but I remember writing it down. And it's this, that grief comes in one size, extra large. If we tuck it away in the bottom drawer where it never sees the light of day, it remains exactly the same. On the other hand, if we wear it, if we feel it, if we talk about it and share it with others, it is likely that it will become faded, shrunk and worn, or it will simply no longer fit. The greatest challenge and gift is to sit with the suffering and try not to take the pain away. Yeah. It's beautiful. That is uh, really just such, uh, I think, profound, uh, piece there. And I love that, especially that last little bit there, um, that the greatest challenge and gift is to sit with the suffering and not try and take the pain away. Um, and, I, you know, I remember hearing you say that for the first time a couple years ago. And I think it's just so true that I, I think to be for somebody to be able to show you their pain and it not scare you off, right, for you to go, yes. no, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I, I just think is just one of the most powerful and beautiful expressions of, of love. Yeah, and, and the challenge being, and I love this idea that if we don't have the resources and we don't understand grief, you kind of put it in the drawer mm -hmm. and you close the drawer up. And yet that grief is still there and we've never found a way to acknowledge it and talk about it, be able to find ways to stay connected and have it validated. Yeah. And so I think in just the way that we're made, I, I think the God desires, I think that that drawer opens now very carefully. And again, to the degree of the loss, I think there's a place as friends, we come alongside and just by hearing the story, they can tell us the memory and it's opening the drawer a little bit, just letting somebody in. But there are some times when that drawer is closed for a good reason. There's a very strong traumatic element. Um, yeah. There's some narrative but it just means finding somebody to be able to open the drawer with. And I think sometimes as Christians, we, we kind of tuck it away in the drawer and, and um, think, oh, God, I'll just all take care of it. But yet as time passes, that drawer is still closed. And there's just something intuitively kind of niggling away saying, I think this is because of my past. I think maybe maybe there's something here that I never talked about. And particularly if there was losses when you were younger and nobody did talk about it. I, I share a personal story. I experienced a loss when I was very young. Um, it required me being hospitalized for a period of time. And back in those days, there was nobody to talk about. There was no Dr. Phil or Oprah. And I just carried that for many years. I was five years old and um, just never talked about it. Uh, there wasn't even questions that kids would even remember. So it was just ignored. And it was oh, later on in my life where there was just that 
something inside that I just knew that was connected to my behavior and in my relationships and finally sought out uh, some counseling and just be able to open that drawer in a safe place because it was time and God knew that. So I'm just very mindful that I think we, you know, open the drawer a little bit with friends and give them an opportunity, but it's being mindful that also knowing when to refer just to validate and know when to refer. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important to mention, Brian, because I think it may be the assumption, and I think maybe sometimes our wanting to get through grief, it's like, oh, we've got to get into grief counseling. You got to you talk about it right away, and, and certainly grief counseling is so so important. But there is a timing aspect of it, um, or just in, in like you said, talking with a friend, um, that perhaps there are times where we're not quite ready, we're not quite there, um, that we can we can talk about it. Um, so yeah. I wonder, you go ahead. Sorry, yeah, I was just going to say on uh, on that note, and I think this is this idea of when you come alongside somebody and then you fall in behind, you wait for them to open the drawer. Yeah, it's yeah. not up to us to say, "Oh, I think you've got a drawer there that's kind of closed. You want to tell me about it?" No. Yeah. No, I think it's over a period of time and in the nature of the relationship that sometimes individual may say something it's kind of like i mentioned about being on the golf course and somebody will say something and it'll just stop me short and i'll say wow he's just opened up the drawer here yeah. of course it's usually i'm very guarded now I, I don't tell anybody on the golf course at least when i was a, a grief counselor and I, people ask me what they what i did i'd always i say i work for the i work for Alberta health services i would never say i'm a grief counselor right you'd never say that <laughs> i learned my lesson but it really did teach me that there's a lot of people out there that want to talk to somebody yeah. so um so i became more mindful of just waiting for the door the drawer to pop open naturally rather than trying to open the drawer. Yeah. And I think uh, this is God's timing and this is about the strength of being in a community and part of that goodness, part of that kindness, part of that empathetic, compassionate, listening voice that um, we, don't have, we don't need to have the answers, but we can lift it up to the Lord together and just say, God, we just need the power of your presence to be able to be mindful and to, to be a part of the healing of this situation. Yeah, that's true. Um, so the next kind of bit we're going to um, sort of talk about and explore is um, people might be familiar with the, sort of the term cycles of grief. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit more about, about the cycle yeah. of grief and how that works? Yeah, you know, for the longest time, and I still hear uh, when people are talking about grief, it goes back to the five stages of grief. It was a very linear process. Yeah. There was shock, there was guilt, there was, uh, um, uh, there was um, aware, I can't remember what the fives were, um, but it's not linear. Uh, grief is not linear. It's more grief moves around a little bit. You don't start at step A, step one, and you get to point five. And yeah. I think step five was acceptance. I, I don't know if we ever get totally to that, depending on the narrative that's involved. But I like to think grief is more fluid. So I found, um, and you can Google these, uh, the, the Cycles of Grief uh, by William Warden. And, uh, and if you can imagine the kind of three overlapping circles, and uh, those cycles of grief each have an acknowledgement, but there's also a uh, uh, a therapist by the name of Therese Randall that came up with a task that we need to do to be able to get through each one of these phases, uh, each one of these cycles. So I'll try to keep it very simple. So the first cycle after we've experienced a loss is avoidance. 
um, it's hard to face into it. And how can we? I've talked about those five threads of grief. Uh, we're just not doing well physically, uh, cognitively. We haven't got the, the ability. Uh, emotionally, we're all over the place. We're not as stable as we would like to be. Socially, we're disconnected. And spiritually, we've got a lot of questions. So we kind of maybe just put our grief, we, maybe we do put it in that drawer at the very beginning, and we avoid it. So the task that goes with that cycle is, the first task is to be able to recognize and acknowledge the loss. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that's a different period of time to be able to do that. But I think there's just something within us that just can't stay in that avoidance forever. We have to acknowledge the threads of grief, and uh, we've got to get out of the shock that and denial that oh this is happening, and I have to figure this out. Saw a lot of that in the uh, the um, conversations with people who lost so much in those uh, tornadoes last week. They're just in shock. They just can't mm -hmm. grasp. Well, depending on the degree of the trauma, it may be quite a while before you can really grasp. But then you move into that second task or that second cycle, and it's that confronting your grief. You come out of the avoidance. In a sense, you open the drawer and you can talk about the loss. You can talk about who it was that's passed away or what that situation is in your life that's creating so much uh, of a struggle because you valued it and it's no longer there. Mm -hmm. uh, there can be those intense waves of grief that we talked about. There can be many disenfranchised losses that have just been sitting there and you've been avoiding talking about them. But then again, there comes something that moves us from avoiding it to being able to confront it, to be able to start to open the drawer and to talk about it. And the task involved with confronting our loss is to be able to experience the pain and adjust to the environment to where that loved one is missing. And if it's not a person or it's a situation or a circumstance, we just have to come to that place where we acknowledge it and we're able to experience it and talk about it. And that's a huge step. And again, it gets this idea, but you need the right person to be able to get into that place where you confront, confront your grief. It's usually a trusted individual or somebody like yourself that somebody can come and talk to and just be able to open that door. Well, if you can make it out of avoidance and you get into confrontation and you'll be able to walk through your grief, talk about your grief, open the drawer, then we get to that final cycle, which is integration. Uh, those waves become further apart. Um, there's a decline in your grief. Uh, you can look at your loss, but you don't linger there as much. And the problem with loss, particularly when it's really traumatic, is you tend to linger. And oh, it's so hard not to linger. But as we move through and into that integration piece, we're able to integrate the loss and we don't need to linger it. So I've always said as a little mantra, as a counselor, is we learn to look but not linger. Right. Uh, easy to say, but oh my goodness, that is not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. But we learn a new way of living with the loss experience and that thing that we valued, whether it's a person or a job or a friend or whatever that loss is, we're able to integrate that absence into our life. So that task with that integration cycle is being able to reinvest our energy back into relationships, back into life, back into maybe where we start to feel physically bad, put that together again. We start to feel mentally stronger, emotionally more stable. We start to feel socially reconnected and we start to maybe spiritually start to be regrounded again. So I really love that model of grief. And if you wanna have a look at that, it's the cycles of grief, 
and it's by uh, William Warden. And then there's the Tasks of Grief, which is uh, Therese Rando. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I've got them mixed up, but you can have a look at uh, have a look at those online, and you can get a little bit more information. Interesting on the Tasks of Grief, there's a Task Number Four that uh, I think is worth noting because it says that if we get to this place in our grief is to find an enduring connection with the deceased in the midst of embarking on a new life. This idea that life does move forward, but it's what we talk about in week five and six, this idea about an enduring connection, that if we grieve successfully, we're gonna find a way to move forward, but stay connected yeah. in a way with that person and it's meaningful and it's life affirming. So that's the cycles and tasks of grief. And I think it's worth having a look. And I love it because those are three cycles, but they they overlap, which means you don't kind of go through them systematically yeah. I'm through one and now I'm in two and now I'm into integration. No, you can feel like you're doing really, really well. I'm confronting my loss, I'm talking about it, I'm starting to get some traction and getting my life back, I'm starting to not feel as fragmented anymore. But then in a moment in time, the situation, circumstance, and right away, boom, yeah. that wave rolls in and you're right back into that lingering and that shock, but hopefully you don't stay there as long. You find your way out, you're back into that confrontation, and for however how long that takes, and I said, I think last week, that I like to give grief a year, and I don't think that's too long. I think that's a normal, natural, not that some will take that long. Some it'll take even longer, depending on the degree of trauma. It may be two years or three years. But I like to think we bounce around. And in that first year, we're just slowly getting a sense of movement. And uh, this is a model that is able yeah. to do that. I just want to touch on something there, Brian, because when you say that, you know, maybe one year or two year, I mean, we're not obviously there can be losses in our lives that are just, they're a lifetime. They're always going to be part of the picture. They're always going to be um, with us and we're never going to get over it. And I think that sometimes the misconception when we're talking about grief is that there's a time um, when it comes to all losses where we're just all of a sudden over it. Well, there's significant losses where it will just continue to be a part of your life. And we will talk about that more um, with that um, continuing bonds piece that that you were referencing earlier. Yeah, and I think this is an example to that in, re, in, in the light of what unfolded with the floods in British Columbia. Uh, is it three weeks, a month ago now? Um, I worked in the flood um, uh, zones in southern Alberta after the flood of 2013 and worked for a year in High River and Okotoks and various communities in Calgary and just, again, providing opportunity and context for what grief is like in the midst of a disaster. But it's interesting that as you look at what unfolded in British Columbia, uh, they interviewed some people in High River and uh, it all came back. Um, the imprint from the flood of seven years ago yeah. it was all of a sudden right there visually uh, rehearing the stories and I'm sure for some, it kind of took them right back. You went from maybe reinvesting and life has been really good. And it's been seven years since the flood. And in a moment in time, for some, it just kind of might have gone right back into that overwhelming images that they experienced in the loss that they had to navigate through in 2013. So that's what I mean. And that's a normal response. Yeah. So that we need to give, depending on the degree of the imagery and the trauma, we need to give it the time. So 
yeah, it's not for every loss, but I think that we just need to give grief its due and realize that we don't go through these uh, cycles and stages in quick order. Uh, but again, some people, and I might as well put this in there, that when somebody is in a situation where uh, the end of their life is on the horizon, um, it's called ante anticipatory grief. You're anticipating that loss, and uh, there's lots of time to be able to start to prepare for when that loved one is no longer. And so a lot of grief work can be done before that person passes. And anticipatory grief, and we don't talk about that. It's maybe the only time I talk about it in our podcast. But just like we experience all these things in the five threads of grief after a physical loss, when we're anticipating the loss and it's anticipatory grief, those five threads can be pulled also. Great. Yeah. But also we may get through the after the loss, we may get through quicker. And so it may not be a year at all. It may be a matter of months. And some people uh, just move right on. So there's no formula. There's no right or wrong. But as I said last week, I like to give it big time windows and big time frames, rather longer than shorter. But realizing that everybody's road through grief is different, no matter how long, whether it's short or long. Yeah. Okay, so as we kind of wrap up our conversation today, there's one more um you had this sort of diagram that you showed us um, in, in the course we just did, uh, the valley of grief, and it, and it had sort of this drawing of this valley and these people that were kind of going through the valley and, and sort of some of these obstacles. Um, do you want to just uh, maybe kind of finish and touch on sort of the valley of grief and, and what that is and how that can be helpful for us in processing Grief. Uh, it is called the Valley of Grief, but uh, you won't find it online. It was actually um, uh, the result of a, of a group that I facilitated a number of years ago. And part of the challenge as we met, and it was a longer term group, was to give them uh, some homework to be able to help navigate through uh, the losses, which were all traumatic. And, um, and so for a couple of weeks, the group worked on this diagram and came up with the Valley of Grief. And so if you can imagine this, I, you know, you're not supposed to mix your metaphors. I don't know if I should mix my images here, but it's a, it's a valley. And um, I, I like to think that the 23rd Psalm says it, you know, uh, God will be with us through the valley of uh, the shadow of death. And, I, and so I like this valley imagery. And if you can imagine this, valley and there's five threads that go down one side as you're falling and then you get across the bottom and then you start to come up the other side of the valley. Now this valley of grief, it's deep, it's wide, and for some it can be kind of dark. And those threads are through us, or are with us as we go through this valley. Um, and I like, there's little figures that um, as you are going along life and you experience the loss, it's like you fall into the valley and you kind of flail and you fall and it's kind of like you're in that place of avoidance and you really don't know what's going on and you've never met in a loss before. And again, unless you've really been in a loss, you don't really understand it, but then you fall. But for at some period in time, you hit bottom. You give your head a shake or something inside is saying, man, you can't live like this anymore. And you start to level out at the bottom of the valley uh, that can be deep, dark, and wide. But there's still traps at the bottom. There's still manhole covers. Uh, there's still quicksand that you can fall in. But hopefully, as we navigate through the valley, by the grace of God and with the support of others, 
we find our way to start to come up the other side. And if you can imagine, you'd think is if you drew this valley and people are coming up the side, you'd see a pictures of mountain climbers getting up the other side as they move towards healing. Interestingly enough, everybody in the group have pictures of people still falling back down because it's such a slog to be able to get up the other side. But I like to think that we do make it up to the other side. And there has to be a point maybe where we open that drawer and we start to get the sense forever how long it is to get through that valley that we can make it. And it's, it's a lovely image and, um, and it speaks to the depth of, uh, of, of that valley. And there's a, a little saying that goes along with that. And it's right in the middle of the valley, if you can imagine a bit of a cloud formation over top, and it says that there's every possibility that those who grieve may want their story to be heard, acknowledged, and understood. Mm. So that when you're in the valley, there's just something inside saying, man, I wish I could just share this valley of the shadow of death with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think God does that. You know, his staff is is still there. It's still helping us and is in our court to get us up there. So yeah, while we're in that valley, however, it increases our distress while at the same time is decreasing our ability to cope. And maybe that's why it's called, it was originally called the Valley of Despair. (laughs) But we changed it and I changed it to the Valley of Grief. And um, it's got six threads. It's got the five threads we talked about because right through this valley, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and spiritually, there's one thread that we haven't talked about. It's a thread of trauma and that we carry that and it's kind of along a part of that journey and and that traumatic thread is there and uh, at, at times it's nice to be able to share that too. So that's the valley of grief. Yeah, well thank you for that Brian. Um, well I think that kind of finishes up session two for us. Um, for those that are listening, uh, tracking along with this series, you know as we talk about this I, I think we both realize that these are you know, really heavy conversations and they can bring up all sorts of feelings and memories and uh you know that can be difficult so i just encourage anyone listening who doesn't have you know support we certainly have resources we can refer people to counselors um and then also offering um pastoral care um that encourage people who don't have somebody to listen don't have somebody to walk alongside them who feel like they they do need somebody to to talk with or somebody to just listen to their story or have a coffee, go for a walk. Um, I just want to encourage you to, you, you are more than welcome to reach out um, for pastoral care. Uh, you can reach out to me at uh, cwoods at wkc.org. And uh, just don't want anybody going through this alone as these are pretty, pretty heavy conversations. So just want to set that out there. And I'd just like to add to that. There may be uh, some of you who've joined the podcast who are at that place where trying to find your way up the valley, through the valley, up the other side, that there may be somebody walking with you that is there and they're a gift. It's that bit of grace that God has extended in the form of a person to walk with you. So that if there's some things that have uh, been interesting, you can say, hey, I listened to this podcast and talking about grief, maybe it's a bit of a conversation starter. But if there's somebody that you trust and somebody that you want to open that drawer with, then maybe you can find in yourself somebody that you feel safe with to be able to just share a little bit about, I'm, I'm working, I'm just trying to get a little bit more about grief. Yeah, that's a great reminder, Brian. Well, thank you once again 
um, always enjoy these conversations. As, as difficult as they are um, at times, um, they're just, I think, such a, a value um, to have. So uh, thank you, Brian, and we will see you uh, again for session three of our project. Be continued. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>